Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This week, the Bookshelf Cinema is screening Love and Friendship, The Daughter, Our Kind of Traitor, and more. And at the E-Bar on July 23rd, it's a night of temptation as That's My Drag, a local drag show, celebrates its third anniversary. The Bookshelf is an independently owned cultural hub located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph, Ontario. More information about the Bookshelf's hours, listings, blogs, directions, accessibility, and to order books from their online store from anywhere in the world, please visit bookshelf.ca. Creative Control with Beesh is a talented songwriter, singer, and multi-instrumentalist who originally hails from Saskatchewan. Over the past four years, Schaff has released critically acclaimed and vibrant pop records whose dark textures contain clever lyrics and infectious melodies. He made quite a statement with 2015's The Bearer of Bad News and has possibly, arguably, even topped that wondrous record with this year's conceptual release, The Party, which is out now via Anti and Arts and Crafts Records. He's been busy touring, and he'll be playing the Hillside Festival in Guelph the weekend of July 22nd, before heading across the United States with the new supergroup 
Case Lang Veers. Here now for a chat about some of those things is Andy Schaff. Uh, hi, Andy. How are you? Hello, I'm good. Nice to have you on the show. Where are you today? I am in Winnipeg right now playing the Folk Fest. Oh, Winnipeg. That's one great city. That's what they like to say about themselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you have, you're from, uh, where are you from in Saskatchewan? Oh, well, I'm from a town kind of close to Moose Jaw, but I've lived in Regina for like 10 years. Okay, so you lived in uh, you lived in uh, Regina. Is there any competition between Regina and Winnipeg? You you said Winnipeg somewhat derisively. I know you have to be careful. You're in the town now. Um, yeah. But do you have uh, a particular? Uh, you know, is there a rivalry there? Do you, do you have some bitterness about being in Winnipeg? I don't. There's not really a rivalry that I know of. Winnipeg is actually really cool. I like it here. I, I don't know why I was. You know. <laughs> I heard that tone also, but I don't know where it came from. <laughs> you, you were cognizant of your own tone towards the city you're in, but you're yeah. not sure where it emanates from. <laughs> Winnipeg is a lovely uh, lovely city, and uh, I like to tell people when they're in Winnipeg or if they're from Winnipeg that uh, my aunt and her family own the East India Company restaurant, which is one of the finest Indian restaurants in the province. Nice. Are you familiar with it? No. Well, you should go right after this because it's delicious. And yeah. I, I do. Oh wait, I, I can I can tell maybe by your tone that maybe you don't. I'm pres, I'm being presumptuous. Do you like Indian food? I do. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm telling you, the East India Company. Yeah. The, uh, the hotel that I'm at, it's like in that really confusing intersection, and I feel like to get out of here, I have to go underground or something. Well, are so you, that's just giving, that's giving me a bit of anxiety right now. Oh, I see. Are you near the portage? <laughs> are you near like the portage place mall or something? Yeah, I don't know. Portage in <laughs> Portage in Maine, I guess. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. You're right. Here. You're right near there. Yeah, that's not a that's a confusing place. It's like the it's like the nexus of the universe. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, the the restaurant that I'm speaking of is a bit of a hike from there, but not too far. So. Anyway, that's that's fine. So you've been you've been touring a lot. You're on the road a lot. You're not even home as we're speaking. Uh, do you miss home? How often are you in Saskatchewan? I, I have no idea. You just seem like every time I look at your website, you're just you're away somewhere. Do you miss home? Um. Yeah, I do. I miss my friends and stuff. I actually kind of I just started renting in Toronto, so. I don't really know where home is at the moment, but I definitely miss Regina and all my friends there. You say I, you say you're renting a you you rent a, an apartment or something in Toronto? Yeah, I'm renting like a it's in like a brand new condo building. It's pretty swanky. <laughs> pretty weird. <laughs> so Toronto is home. Yeah, I guess so. Now. I've spent like a week in my apartment so far, so it's there. I'm not there. I haven't. I don't know what it's all about yet. But what? Yeah. When was that week? How long ago? That would have been, I guess, about a month ago, something like that. That was like we just got back from Europe, and my roommate found this place, and so when I got back from Europe, it was like an empty apartment. And I bought a bed. So now I have a bed. I also bought a piano, so I have a piano and a bed. <laughs> Could you not have used the piano for a bed somehow? Maybe save some money? 
<laughs> yeah, that would that's a good idea. <laughs> uh, are you adjusting? Like Regina and Toronto, I think uh, some people who have been to both cities would say they're a little different. Are you adjusting well to being to life in Toronto? Well, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I sometimes I feel like it's hard to leave my condo apartment thing. I have to take like an elevator and that's intimidating. And then there's so many people outside and that's intimidating also. I'd say I'm not adjusting well, but it's gonna, <laughs> it's gonna get there. <laughs> you, you're, you're free. I'm sorry. Maybe this is a phobia. This is actually, I think it is a legitimate phobia of elevators. Do you have that legitimate phobia or you, you just get confused by the doors that are that open and then you're in a closet and then there's buttons that make the doors close and the closet move all of that <laughs> intimidates you a little bit right it all is a, a little bit intimidating i also get i don't know if you ever get this but i get like vertigo when i step out of an elevator i get like dizzy well there's that little jolt uh i think it's it's primarily when you're going down i think but uh, i'm not sure i get it i don't know there's like a couple minutes afterwards where I feel like everything's moving. I'm beginning to think that you may not be astronaut material. <laughs> because those though, those tests are very strenuous from what I've seen on the t- on the TV and you're you can't handle going from your apartment to the street. Yeah, but it's, you know, it's just up and down. I could probably do astronaut stuff (laughs) (laughs) i think they put you in a thing and then they just twist you around as fast as they can go until you're like no mas can't do it (laughs) so like uh, an elevator is a very calm version of that extremely calm some yeah i don't am i sorry i don't mean to have i crushed a dream of yours did you want to be an astronaut well yeah why not why not? They just did a thing. They landed on a, a planet. I can't remember which one it is right now. <laughs> do you know? Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I have no idea. They put a thing on Jupiter, maybe. Like what? They, like a a thing, like a one of those things where like the thing lands on the planet and then it just kind of is like, hey, I'm on the planet, and we can all go like, hey, <laughs> we put a thing on another planet. That's I think that's what it is. I just don't. I think it's Jupiter. Anyway, do do you want to go to space? Um, well, yeah, sure. Why not? That would be cool. One reason why not is because you can't handle being on elevators. I've said it already once. (laughs) I am, I don't know. I mean, they're just planes. They're just big planes, right? Do you like, do you you like airplanes? Do you get any weirdness on airplanes? No, no, I'm great. I'm a great flyer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think of airplanes as more complicated a, a, a visceral situation than an elevator, but that's fine. It's fine. That's fine. Well, oh, what about an airplane bathroom? That's like a really small ele- elevator, really, except that you excrete fluids. That's a, I, <laughs> that's different. Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, elevators <laughs> elevators are pretty unique in their in their motion. Well, it could also, I'm not trying to psychoanalyze you here, but you're in a big city of Toronto. I'm just wondering if your fear of the elevator is really emblematic of your maybe uh, some situation where you're not really happy to go out into the world in the city you live in. Because the elevator is your portal 
to this dirty, smelly, crowded city. Yeah, it's my portal. And, you know, sometimes there's other people in the elevator and you have to, like, I don't know. It's like a brand new condo. Oh. And everybody, everybody who's leaving is either going, everybody in the elevator is either going to play sports or they just got back from playing sports. Yeah, that's a thing about con. What? Yeah, the athletes. And I'm like, yeah. I'm probably going to do like the exact opposite of that. Stand somewhere, <laughs> sit somewhere. <laughs> are Are you in a? Are you the most famous person in your condo right now? <laughs> Um, I don't know how to answer that. Well, no, I mean, does the board tell you, like, you know who else uh, lives in this condo? It's uh, Roberto Alomar's uh, second cousin. Like, do they tell you that someone well, else famous might be there? I know, but I'm going to assume that probably someone famous lives there. Yeah. I, just, I, I mean, I'm like the I'm like the smelly guy. I'm the dirty guy who everybody, nobody wants to ride the elevator with. <laughs> well, I, that sounds sad, frankly. But I mean, it's at the very least, you know, I mean, when do you get to go back to this marvelous elevator and, and condo? You're still on the road. I mentioned, well, wait, you've got, uh, you're in Winnipeg and uh, there's a, a hillside in Guelph. I mm-hmm. feel like there's some space. You get to go home for a little bit at some point, right? There is a little bit of space, except that my van broke down and, like, died. Hmm. So I have to buy a van. I have to find... It's a really complicated situation, but I have to go back to Saskatchewan to get a van. Oh, I'm sorry. So I have to drive... This is not going to be super interesting, but I'm driving to Vancouver and then driving Regina to Toronto. So that takes up, like five or six days of just driving in my time off. So I might get to sleep there for like a night. Wait a minute. So your time off is essentially going on tour for a van? Pretty much, but without like any of the good parts of tour, just the driving part. Oh, no. Are you are you, are you doing this by yourself? Yeah. Oh. Well, I, <laughs> so you, your van broke down where? In Saratoga, California. Oh. We were playing at like a winery and it was on the top of a hill and we had to drive up the hill and it just, yeah, it was too much. It's too much hill for that van. You know, I, it, it comes back to the whole up and down and you thing. It's up and down. Yeah. You just, it's yeah. not good. It's not good for you. I got to stay on one level. Yeah. Just stay at the, <laughs> just, <laughs> <laughs> you need to be on a certain plane. It's true. Okay. So. Well, that sucks. I'm sorry about that. But uh, again, you'll spend some time there. I, I want to uh, ask you about something other than what we've been talking about, because <laughs> I feel like I, I want to be uh, respectful of your time as a, a famous uh, artist who lives in a condo. Um, so <laughs> let me uh, let me think here. We talked about your busy touring schedule a little bit and how much you're home. Oh, the record. Congratulations on the party. It's uh, it's fantastic. Thank you. It's a very uh, rich sound. I mean, I, my understanding is that you 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 made this record uh, on your own completely, uh, as you are wont to do. And I want to get into that a little bit later. But it does have a nice uh, sound. It sounds like you made it in a in a special sp- space. 
uh, maybe a special mm-hmm. studio. Where where did you make this record? I recorded it at there's like an old CBC studio in the CBC office in Regina, and yeah, that's it. You you actually used a a, a Canadian Broadcasting Corporation studio, like a radio studio. Um, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's like a former studio, so it would be, it's just shut down now because there's no money for it, I guess, in the old CBC, but yeah, it's, it's like right in the office building. So it's like key card, 24 hour access. That, oh, you got that? Yeah. Well, how did you get that? Um, Jason Plum he's like he t- he took it over so he runs it as like a private studio now he's so, a yeah. uh, he's a musician right or he was a musician he is yeah, yeah. he's from the waltons that's right band. yeah yeah so he he rents the studio space from the building is that from the cbc yeah okay so he made it a real studio oh i see okay so you and and, and he, he helped you make the album is that what happened um, no, he would just give me like the key card and then I could go in whenever I wanted just, uh, by myself. Okay. And it was this, so you used a real studio. He had real gear. I I presume is that, is that a distinction from your prior records or did you also work in, uh, with real stuff, so to speak? Were you, were you working in studios for the other stuff? The other albums, well, the last album I did in my parents' basement, well, I guess all the stuff that I've done before this one was basement recordings so this is the first like real studio album and i think it i think you can probably tell i wasn't using like my hundred dollar mics and preamps and stuff no you can tell i can tell i mean i I mention it like sonically it, it is very lush did you i i presume this isn't always the case but was it easier using a so-called real studio than your your parents' basement. Was it simpler in some ways? Um, yeah. I mean, it was simpler because I pretty much would set up all the mics on everything and do all the EQing and stuff. And then I would just like walk around with my laptop controlling the other computer and choose which mics I was using and press record. And yeah, it was just super easy. I could walk around and record for hours without getting anything done <laughs> without getting anything done mm-hmm. well what does that mean what were, we, what were you doing all that time just tinkering you know i mean it's the places like there's no windows um so i would record drums for like four hours without realizing it and then walk over to the piano and record that for like three hours and then realized that I didn't like anything, so I would just scrap it all and look at the clock, and it was like 2 a.m. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Now, you, you mentioned, I'm curious about why you choose to play every instrument yourself, why you choose to uh, engineer and produce the records all by yourself. I mean, earlier you mentioned that you're a dirty, smelly guy that no one wants to be around, <laughs> and I don't know if that has something to do with it. Can you speak to that? Why are you something of a, a loner when it comes to this uh, creative process? Um, I think it's just easier for me to get my ideas out if I'm exploring the instruments myself rather than 
trying to get someone else who, you know, usually when someone's good at an instrument, they have an idea of what something should be. And since I am like just self-taught on instruments, it's kind of easier for me to figure out simple parts and things that are a little bit more effective in my mind, I guess. Well, how do you, so that's an interesting statement and that's an interesting way of putting it, uh, of wanting to work, not wanting to work with people who know what they're doing because they think they know what they're doing and they probably do know what they're doing, but they don't necessarily know what you want them to be doing. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it's probably just my lack of vocabulary in music and in life. <laughs> I do I do want to I, I don't want to uh, harp on this uh and forgive me if I'm, I'm if it seems like I'm uh, uh be belittling you but I I like that you stumbled over the word vocabulary. Yeah. It was like a bit of oh. a, a bit of a struggle for you to even say it, which I I enjoyed. And then I I highlighted <laughs> awkwardly in the midst of our conversation. That's just a thing that I did and I wanted to <clears throat> So so you you prefer to play on your own, and you you don't want people uh, necessarily in the recording process. But you, when you play live, do you have a band? Uh, yeah, I got. We're a four piece band right now. Thanks. Yeah, I mean it's not. I think it's you know they hear the album and then they kind of get an idea of what I want something to be. I'm not so controlling when it comes to. Uh, the live sound because I think a little bit of variety is more interesting to people than like a regurgitated album. Yeah. Okay. So the so the the, the musicians you you bring aboard and we can talk about who they are if you like. Uh, if, you, if you it sounds like you prefer to work with nameless drones mm -hmm. uh, generally. If you could, you yeah. just have these mindless robots that knew exactly what you were thinking and could just replicate it somehow. But yeah. you do have these real human beings that you're playing with, so we should learn about them. Uh, but uh, well, before we get their names, uh, it does sound like they have some room to add their own flourishes and ideas to the general structure of your songs. Is that is that fair? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. As a four-piece band, it's kind of hard to fill in all the little pieces, so... We kind of, I mean, we rely a lot on our keyboard player to use keyboards and synthy things to try and fill in the missing clarinets and missing violins and stuff like that. Right. How many instruments would you say you play, or, or can you name some that you play, just so we have an idea? Um, clarinet, piano, bass drums, guitar, things. Um, I try to play stringed instruments like cello and violin but it's pretty you wouldn't want to hear me do that <laughs> uh but that's 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 seven instruments you just listed so that's that's I, and it's all self-taught yeah i guess i took drum lessons when i was a kid so oh interesting who did you was it a, a person of note i mean in your life did the, the did your drum i never had i'm a drummer myself uh never had one lesson and it shows, but uh, <laughs> I, I would get my lessons by seeing uh, drummers, uh, particularly on a local level. If I get to see the same drummer over and over again, you really learn things. 
Um, yeah. If you like their their style and their approach, uh, was was your drum instructor uh, a formative influence? Um. Yeah, I took I think like two or three semesters of lessons with a guy named Kevin McKee. I think he lives in Ontario somewhere. I'm not really sure, but. Yeah, I don't know. He taught me a lot about drums. He actually, I think we mostly did like reading drum notes because I kind of already knew how to play just from copying other people. Right. So, uh, and when you say semesters, did you did you study music at uh, university or high school or something? Um, no, it was a, I went to high school at like a Christian it was connected to like a Christian college. So their, I guess their school term semesters, whatever was the lesson periods that we could take from them. Oh, I see. Okay. Christian, yeah. a Christian, you went to a high school connected to a Christian college. Are you a, a religious person particularly? Um, no, not, no, no. Okay. It doesn't, uh, inform your work or anything. No. Any more than anyone else's. Would you say, I had a discussion once with someone on the show where we were kind of I was trying to get at religion versus spirituality and they were drawing a real distinction between the two. I think I've had a few guests who've done that. Do you consider yourself a spiritual person? Um I I don't know. I mean I I just kind of try not to think about that stuff too much. I think I need a little a little break from all that for a bunch of years before I try to think about it again. Oh, like you mean because of your experience at the high school you went to? Um, well, I mean, just I was raised in that world. So it was kind of when I became an adult on my own and realized that, you know, maybe this whole thing that I've been learning my whole life isn't real. It was like, oh. Right. That's that's a heavy that's a heavy uh, couple of hours uh, <laughs> when you when you begin to process that that part of what your existence has been predicated on might be uh, a little off. It's kind of a weird, it's a weird feeling. Yeah, I can't, yeah. I I was going to say I can't imagine it, but I think I had, I think I had the same thing. I, yeah. I, as soon as my parents couldn't explain some aspect of their religion to me, I was like, oh, they don't even know what this is. Mm-hmm. And no, no one seems to know what this is. It's just sort of made up and... It was actually healthy because I realized that any kind of spirituality is really a it is always a deeply uh, subjective personal thing. Yeah, even for though, sure. Even though there's a you know there's books and and a, and a sense of trying to uh, you know you get people singing together and and saying the same things together and that's supposed to create a, a oneness. But I I don't know if it's just a some sort of narcissistic bent on my part, but I do think it's really an individual uh expression and reception of those things that uh is the most important somehow maybe yeah for sure yeah it got heavy didn't it It just got heavy on the show yeah all of a sudden maybe we should oh you know what i wanted to do is find out who was in your band who's in your band um on drums is olivier fairfield Uh, my bass player's name is josh danio and playing keys right now is Colin Nealis. Okay. Olivier Fairfield, is that what you said? Yep. Is, is that not a character in a Wes Anderson film? <laughs> That's a good name. Olivier Fairfield. It's or it's 
It sounds like a, a film festival, actually. He just sounds... <laughs> Why am I being so insulting on the show today? I don't understand. Uh, how do you know these guys? Josh and Colin I've played with for a bunch of years. <clears throat> they were actually like my first touring band when we when I released the Bear of Bad News album. So mm-hmm. I've been playing with them for forever and... Olivier, we met, he was playing drums for Timber Timber, and we opened for them, so I guess we kind of poached him. Yeah, he's a great uh, great drummer, that guy. Mm-hmm. He's really good. So so Olivier lives in Montreal? He lives in Hull. Oh, in Hull, right, 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 that's right. Yeah. And, oh, does he not also play in, does he also play in Fetnet? Yeah, he does. Yeah, that's a good band. I like that band, Fetnet. I've never heard them. They're they're cool. I like them. Uh I don't really want to try to describe them because it's a little difficult, but they, okay, sometimes they sound a little like a francophone Jesus lizard, but that's not really, I think, what they're going for. There's something <laughs> There's something going on there, and I, I remember thinking that the singer reminded me a little of David Yao, who I deeply admire, and then, but then the other stuff wasn't quite the Jesus lizard, but it was in the, I like them. I like them when I saw them. I've seen them a couple times. They, they're big in Guelph somehow. Nice. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so that's a good band. Uh, the other two gentlemen, uh, do you know them from Regina or from Toronto? Where do you know them from? Uh, Josh is from Calgary. I He was playing bass for Jordan Clausen when I toured with Jordan many years ago. And we just became friends on that tour and started playing together. Colin used to play with Aiden Knight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I... I guess I poached him for Maiden. Hey, you're a poacher. I guess so. I'm learning things about myself today. <laughs> that's that's what we do. That's what we try to do on the show. And you're yeah. a you're a, a a national poacher. You've got a, a guy from Vancouver, a guy from Calgary, a guy from Hull. I think is that right? Yeah. That's so. That's a remarkable. There must be. You are like a homing beacon for uh, otherwise uh, unbusy musicians. It seems. Yeah. They're willing to cross the country to be with you and play your songs. Yeah, that's great. I think they're, but you also <laughs> probably even more than some of the other uh, parent projects. Maybe with well, Aiden and Timber Timber are often very busy, actually. But you're keeping these guys busy. Yeah, because you play well, a, you play a lot. Yes. So maybe that's that's the appeal as well. Uh, but it anyway. No, that's great. That's it's cool. Now, I have a question. Um, I don't know if if I've asked any thus far, but I I thought I would switch things up and ask you a question. Okay. Does your record, The Party, have anything to do with the 1968 Blake Edwards comedy starring Peter Sellers called The Party? No. Now, follow-up question. Have you yes. Have you seen that film? I have not, but... You know what? There's no but. I haven't seen it. I think I've seen a, a little bit of it. <laughs> okay, so the, the the premise of the film is basically a, a bumbling uh, Indian, like a C-list, unknown Indian actor. Uh, he's meant to be like kicked out of Hollywood or off of a film set because he ruined it. But he ends up, uh, the guy who wants to kick him out accidentally writes his name instead of on a like a blacklist. He writes his name on an invitation list for his wife's party. And then the nice. guy, he shows up at the party 
And it's Peter Sellers in brownface, which should be very offensive. And it probably is on many levels today. And I should be offended as an Indian person. Uh, but but it's very funny. And he ends up in all these precarious situations. He disrupts the party. He, he does a lot of weird stuff. So I just thought, since you because you've written, am I right? This is a, an album about a party or the the notion of a party, right? Yeah. Where characters, are they mingling through the songs or are they just sort of existing in the song itself, one song? They're, well, they're kind of, I mean, there's characters that stretch over like three or four songs. Um, it's not the, it's not the greatest concept album. I don't think the story really connects some of them I wrote before I was planning on making it a concept album so they're just kind of tossed in there carelessly oh I see I see (laughs) you're not you're not sure you didn't have like an outline or plot outline or a plan you just came up with this concept and and sort of went with it it sounds like Where, where did the notion of chronicling a party actually come from are you are you a fan of parties yeah I guess so I mean most of the songs that I was writing at that time were kind of about drinking i guess or like they were about kind of partying i don't know how to explain that that just sounds kind of weird so drinking alcohol just so in case you know you don't know where these podcasts are going to end up 50 years from now you say drinking and dollars to donuts someone's going to assume you mean water because there won't be any left (laughs) <laughs> so for this for the sake of future generations you're talking about Im- imbibing alcohol becoming a little tipsy at a party yes and yeah. that I, let me speculate and suggest that that appeals to you because you seem like a shy person but at a party and you get a couple of drinks you loosen up right yeah and then i do really dumb things <laughs> and then i write songs about how that makes me feel. <laughs> <laughs> what what are some what are some of the dumb things that you might do at a party if you you've had a couple? Oh, I don't know. I just get loud. You get loud. I find that hard to believe. Believe it. <laughs> believe it. <laughs> you get a little boisterous. You you the this is actually what I don't drink at all and uh it's one of the reasons I don't drink at all is because I feel like I'm barely controlling myself at all times. And I think if I. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. 
because I think part of what alcohol and, and, and drug, you know, you lose yourself a little bit and you become less inhibited. And I think that would be wrong for the world for me to be running amok any more than I already <laughs> am. But you, you lead a kind of quieter life. So you, so your friends, I mean, someone who doesn't know you and like very well, and then they see you drink, they must, it must be a slightly revelatory. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just got to show the world the real me. <laughs> okay. And he is, boy, he's funny. <laughs> so are, are some, so you're saying that it's conceivable that some of the uh, stories uh, that we find that we'll come across on the party, they, they may have be things that have happened to you? Um, no, not necessarily, but I think most of the story ideas came from my tendency to just reflect after a night and just be mortified at things that I do sometimes. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. It's sort of a, it's, it sounds like you did a little self-assessment, not in a clinical way, but you just sort of like looked at your own life, uh, but then you also observe people. That's what you do at a party. You, you some you're mingling, but you're kind of also looking around and seeing what people get up to. And I mean, these are these are characters you created, right? Are they primarily figments of your imagination, or are they inspired by actual people? Um, I mean, yeah, I don't know. This album is kind of the characters are pretty not developed like in a descriptive way it's mostly like conversational so it's i don't like have anyone in mind it's just more like situations that i have in mind so they're not developed fully but they have names some of them don't they yeah they have names but it's not like you know i don't ever describe them they're not i don't feel like i mean maybe when someone listens to it they they picture someone but for me it's mostly i picture the situation the situation is more integral than it's 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 a it's more of a sitcom than a uh not a sitcom but it's more of a <laughs> it's a situation song as opposed to a character driven song per se yeah what are the names of some of the characters um there's jeremy jeremy's the main character if you listen to the album, you probably think that his name is Jimmy because apparently I pronounce words funny when I sing. I can't relate to that sentiment. I don't think that's true. You've been, <laughs> you've been crystal clear here today. Perfect. Yeah, Jeremy, okay. Um, Sherry is his girlfriend. I I guess there's only two characters with names. Oh, there's a guy, Alexander. Yeah, there's a dies. song. there's a song named after Alexander, isn't there? Yeah, there's a girl named Martha. Yeah, Jeremy and Sherry are kind of the only ones who run over multiple stories, I guess. Right, but you can't describe them. With yeah, with names. You can only you can you you, <laughs> you know we know their names are Jeremy and Sh- Sherry. You said right, Sherry. Yeah. Yeah. So Jeremy and Sherry, uh, their names kind of rhyme. That's a good 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 work there. That's easy. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really good at making my characters like <laughs> either their names or alliterations or I don't know. Have you done this before? Have you created uh, kind of loose, open-ended character studies in your work? Um, 
I don't know. I well, I, I guess I've made quite a few songs that have characters. Yeah. So did you ever? Do you ever kind of? You've done it so that you've given them names. You've given them situations to deal with. Do you ever become attached to those characters in some ways? Do you ever think, like a like a filmmaker or a playwright or, or an author, like I want to see what Jeremy and Sherry might be up to two albums from now? <laughs> I don't think I don't think that I've done a good enough job developing a character to grow attached to them. Yet. Yeah, yeah, but you know. That'd be cool. That'd be a fun thing to try. They might recur somehow later. Yeah. They're just a little older, but they're, they're up to the same old stuff. I can't help but think of uh, uh, Jack and Diane from the, little... John, from the John Mellencamp song. Yeah, what are they up to? What are, what are those guys up to, Jack and Diane? I feel like they need a sequel. They need a... That would be interesting if you took other people's characters and just started writing about them. Yeah, Jack and Diane too. <laughs> yeah, that these are bad ideas. I feel like I should not be producing your next hypothetical records. But you are. I sort of am. I don't know what mood <laughs> I'm in tonight, but I am very. I'm not myself exactly. No, that's fine. We should actually because you 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 you've taken on this almost uh, you know this narrative bent a little bit. I'm curious about your musical and, and artistic background uh where do you you know ideas influences these kinds of things when you started playing can you kind of briefly tell tell me your 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 origin story so to speak and maybe what about those uh experiences may have brought you to a record where you're creating characters that don't do anything (laughs) um well like how i started playing it's a, it's a bit of a loaded question, but I'm kind of, yeah, I'm trying to think of interest you might have, and not, not necessarily even musical, because it sounds like you may have had, as I say, I hint at this narrative notion, and maybe I'm hitting that, that point too heavy, because as you say, you, you're, you didn't develop these characters to be fully dimensional, but it does seem like that's a side of you, like maybe, I don't know if it's film or, or, story, or books or something, but did something else beyond music uh, shape you into the musician you are? Well, I mean, I don't know. I I kind of started doing like story songs just because I thought that it was a way more interesting way to write songs than the way that I was doing it. Um, I started listening to Randy Newman quite a bit, and he's kind of the master of the inconsistent narrator mm-hmm. where he can just kind of toss anyone into any situation uh, whenever he wants to. I thought that was pretty cool. It was a lot cooler than me writing about being, I don't know. Sad? Sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the idea of kind of writing stories. We we, we have a tendency to assume when a songwriter is... Uh, expressing themselves that they are truly expressing themselves so you but you're i think you're hinting at the notion that you as an artist are are maybe expressing uh, stories uh they may not be about you and your life they're obviously from your perspective but they're they're situations that you've conjured from from elsewhere somehow yeah and i mean well anyone who writes like fiction fictiony things they're always putting a little bit of themselves into it. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, it's kind of an easy way to 
or not an easy, just a different way to express yourself rather than just, I don't know. I feel like all my songs, if I'm just writing about myself, it just gets real complainy. Maybe I'm a complainer. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't think so. I don't think that's true. How can that be true? I don't think that's true. You mentioned Randy Newman. Uh, you, you You are, I think, occupying some kind of indie rock realm, so to speak. Did you have... Randy Newman, uh, for those who don't know, I think some people know Randy Newman as like the guy who writes the Disney Pixar things, but he was like an edgy songwriter in the 70s. Like he was actually really in some ways ahead of his time and, and he was very uh, beloved by kind of people who like subversive music. Uh, and so I don't know which Randy Newman you got into uh, necessarily, but uh, did you have like a, any kind of punk rock, indie rock epiphanies? Were there people that that you liked a lot listening to, and, and maybe those have also shaped where you're at? Um, well, when I was in high school, I listened to a lot of, like, pop punk. And that's... I don't know that that's really a good place to be, to be, like, inspired. It was kind of cool, because I was into skateboarding and drumming loud and fast, that kind of a thing. But I didn't really get interested in songwriting until I heard like Elliot Smith. Oh, okay. That was like, he was like a big guy for me. Um, just, he can do, he could do so much with just a guitar and a vocal. So much more than anyone else, really. I don't know anyone who writes songs like that. Yeah. It's rare to find people who just have their own voice almost from the get-go, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, mm-hmm. And you either strive hard to find that or... I mean, I think you're at a point where you found your voice. Was that difficult for you? Did you did you go for, did you go through a period where you were like, oh, I'm just clearly wearing my influences on my sleeve? Like, did you... I'm sure there are probably demos floating around that maybe have that. But were you conscious of that, of, of trying to express you, not some, you know, amalgam of your influences? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that you just, I don't know, when you write a million songs, you come out at the end of it as yourself. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I have, before The Bear of Bad News, I wrote like a hundred songs because there was about two or three years just of demoing and stuff before I was able to make a new album, so... I kind of worked out a lot of the trying to directly make a song like another song. I worked through that stage a little bit. And... Does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally. It sounds like you you were aware of that, though. I, in retrospect, like I think some people they start a band and they immediately want to play a show. Yeah, uh, they immediately want to make a record, and I think that in retrospect. I wish I had, and if I ever end up in a band again, I might actually say like, let's, let's write as, because there's always the thing where your second batch of songs is better. Yeah. Or like you make a record and then you, that experience is really useful because the next one you learn from it a bunch, but you're, I, every band I've ever been in, the second batch of things was way better. Um, and on some level, I always think like, wouldn't it be great if you knew that going in and you just pumped out an idea like a, an aesthetically, like you, you, you end up with these aesthetic batches when you're an artist and you're, 
it's time and space, right? Like for uh, you could probably listen to something you made in 1999. Actually, you're too young to probably have made something in 1999. <laughs> uh, but you could you could look at something you made in 2011, probably, and know instinctively like that was made in 2011. That was me then. Yeah. And as you develop yeah. and get more experience, you you know that's just. That's wisdom. That's time. But it would be interesting to know that going in. I think, like, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna make a record. I'm, I'm gonna do everything, but I'm gonna sit on it because I feel like the next thing I do might be better. And then sometimes I think about that. Like maybe if I had waited, or the bands I was in had waited, it would have been almost more impactful and more fulfilling on some level. And I'm just blathering on here, but you know what I'm go- getting at? Yeah. Well, I have a, a few records that I wish didn't exist at all. <laughs> right and 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 but on some level it it's part of the trajectory like you wouldn't have known they shouldn't exist unless you put them out yeah and then can cringe at them the thing the thing that frustrates me about my albums is that like you know elliot smith was writing a lot of songs in heat miser and probably you can't find like any of those songs, but I've just always been writing songs as Andy Schaff, and now I'm still Andy Schaff, and you can find, you can find it all. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean that's part of the age you've grown up in. Uh, it's true. Yeah. The, the, the fact that there's you know there's this is a longer conversation about the pros and cons of the ease in which you can distribute anything you make, um, because. Uh, on some level, having some external feedback back in the day, if you made a, a record and a label rejected it, you would bristle maybe a label or management or your friends, <laughs> whoever. If someone was like, "I don't know about that," you'd be like, "Well, you know what you're talking about. I know this is good." Yeah. Uh, but but it might give you some pause, and now you can just be like, "Hey, I made a song today. I'm going to post it," and then invariably you do hear about it, but it's out. It's gone. It's too late. Like you can't be Sufjan Stevens and do that. Like mistakenly put out a bad song because people will tell you and uh, and they will capture it and it's there forever. Yeah. Or as long as the internet, you know, the internet's got to be a bit finite, don't you think? Um. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not your experience. I I, I understand. Speaking of your your origin story, was Saskatchewan in an artistically inspiring place to come of age uh, in any way? Yeah, well, I mean, there wasn't a lot to do, so that definitely made it so that I had time to work on music. I hear that a lot. I hear that a lot talking to people who lived in sort of smaller places um, yeah. or, or cold places or desolate places. Like, yeah, you just stay in and do stuff. Yeah. So, and I mean, I grew up like the town that I grew up in, having the college there and everything. There was just a lot of access to music. Um, there was always like college bands, and you would see them play. And you'd—I don't know—it was just kind of an environment that made me realize that people could just write songs if they knew how to play an instrument. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, you are now. I uh, I don't mean to embarrass you with uh, with a lot of flattery, but I think it's fair to say you are now among Canada's most prominent musicians in terms of international recognition. Um, 
do you recall being cognizant or when you first realized that your work might be resonating beyond this country? Well, I don't know. I mean, I have a hard time recognizing that right now. I mean, I go over to Europe and play shows and people are there, which is crazy, but I just kind of feel busy more than, I don't know, I process just busyness. Yeah, you don't necessarily feel successful, you just feel busy. I feel busy, and I feel, like, excited to write more. <laughs> that probably did not seem like it connected at all, but in my brain it did. The, um, the desire to write, to just be busier. Yeah, I mean, if I'm on the road, it's it's nice, and playing shows every night is nice, but when I'm on the road, I'm kind of thinking about writing, and when I'm writing i'm thinking about recording and it's just kind of a big circle that keeps my mind off of i don't know well it sounds the, the, me out of about it. the the content you're creating feeds the busyness yeah so you you on some level you appreciate and enjoy the busyness yeah okay that's good because i mean i've gone on a little bit about how much you tour but it, it's obviously something you want to be doing yeah. I mean, it's the touring part of it feels like the work part of it, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm talking about it from the touring part of it. If you were talking to me while I was writing and recording an album, I'd be like, oh my God, it's going terribly. I can't wait for it to be done so I could just play shows. <laughs> well, one of the reasons I bring this up at all is because I th think we live in a... a you you are in a position where your music has transcended uh, your province, your country. Uh, we we live in a place that, uh, meaning Canada, that really will get behind its own sometimes, and then that creates a sense of for the artist. I think a, a sense of, well, this is it. This is where I am successful, and this is my audience, and this is my home. And it doesn't necessarily resonate beyond uh, these borders, so to speak. And you've been in a position where, you know, you've got an American record label. You're touring Europe constantly in the States. And I don't know. I don't know where I'm coming from, but I've just seen bands. I don't know that they're succumbing. I don't think any of them are wary or, or hesitant to have the kind of success you're having. But I do see, like, it can be a bit of a trap to be a CBC radio darling or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, it can. And, I mean, outside of Saskatchewan, there was, I mean, I've been doing this for like 10 years, and it's really taken a long time for me to build any sort of a, it just all went really gradually, you know? Oh, it just, yeah, this did not happen suddenly for you, is what you're saying. Yeah. I mean... I, when I started touring, it was just like hop in the car and book your own tour and do Western Canada, go home. And then, yeah, it's just kind of built really slowly. And we kind of intentionally tried to build a bunch of different markets slowly so that it would be 
you know, so because you can only tour Canada like a few times a year. Yeah. So you gotta. I needed some other places to go, I guess. And I'm yeah, it's great. It's been a really cool thing to watch it build slowly. Yeah. You you almost you you can sort of watch it objectively somehow. Like your the the trajectory of your own work and career, it, it seems like it's something you can almost observe it sounds like. Yeah. Well, it wasn't yeah, I mean I don't know. I don't know how to It's like an out of body experience being Andy Schaff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you you you've talked a little bit about how one uh impulse whether it's playing live or recording kind of when you're doing one you're thinking of the other sometimes uh what's next for you songwriting wise at this point? Well, that is a good question. I'm uh I've well, I finished my album not too long ago and I've written so far one single song for the next batch of songs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've just been like super busy, so I don't I'm not a person who writes on the road. I don't like go to my hotel with a notepad and guitar and hammer out a song. I kinda need to feel uh I need to be in an environment that I feel um, comfortable in, I guess. Yeah, you're not feeling that at the moment. No. Okay. No, that's fair. I mean, how could you? You're in Winnipeg. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything about your upcoming tour dates or the cities you're visiting that you're particularly excited about? Places you haven't been or places you're excited to to play? Um, we're playing at the Ryman Hall. You're playing at the Ryman, Ryman Auditorium in Nashville, Tennessee. That's incredible. Yeah. It's the home that's of pretty- the the original home of the Grand Ole Opry. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. It's a remarkable uh, building. It's a remarkable uh, yeah. sensation being in the room. Uh, I had the opportunity to be there once, and I didn't get to see a show. I just got to go in, and I was just, this is, it just, you feel it in the wood and the in the dust that's uh, dancing in the sunlight. Whoa, I'm writing a song right now. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> that's, I jotted that down. Thank you. <laughs> Get your guitar out and uh, put that down. No, it's it, that's so. Yeah, I, I, I was, I that was a pointed question because I was hoping you were gonna, we, we could, get, we could talk about it. And lo and behold, you're excited. That, does that, why does that room mean something to you? Um, I don't know. I mean, my grandparents used to watch the Grand Ole Opry. I didn't. I wasn't super into it, but yeah, I don't know. It's just like a really special place to play. Super and iconic. Play. Yeah. It's, the, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's amazing. I think that's when you get to do stuff like that, is it amazing? You're just a guy making songs in your parents' basement or breaking into some CBC studio no one wants to use. Mm-hmm. And then now you're playing the Ryman. That's got to be weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty weird. Yeah. I'm just busy, man. I can't think about it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just joking. (laughs) (laughs) This obviously does get to you sometimes. Like the the, the magical aspect of your life is not lost on you in your busyness. No, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I get to drive around and show up and play really cool places. It's pretty sweet. It's got to be sweet. Well, it's... It's well-deserved, all of this stuff. I want to say to uh, the people who have been listening to whatever this was, 
that uh, once again, Andy Schaff's excellent new album is called The Party, which is out now via Anti and Arts and Crafts Records. He's been busy. Uh, I actually have that written down. (laughs) 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 He's been busy touring and will be playing the Hillside Festival in Guelph uh, the weekend of July 22nd. That's exciting. Have you ever attended the Hillside Festival? No, I haven't. I hear it's cool. Yeah, we like to think so. We like to say (laughs) we like to think it's cool. We like it. I think you're going to have a good time. Cool. You've been playing. Do you play a lot of like bigger festivals? We, uh, no, we haven't. We don't really have any festivals this summer. Winnipeg, Hillside. We're, uh, yeah, we're pretty busy with these, uh, K-Slang, <laughs> K-Slang beers shows. So, it's the word of the night. Busy. I like that that's pretty much the only thing that you, you wrote down from this conversation. No, I hadn't written it down during the conversation. I wrote it down before. That's just <laughs> something I had planned to say, and it just had the word busy in it. I'm sorry. I have a little outro that I had planned to say, and uh, it just happened to contain the word of the show. Nice. Which is busy. Which is busy. Yeah. So, yeah, Hillside Festival in Guelph, the weekend of July 22nd for Andy Schaff and his band, and then they'll head across the United States, as he said, with Case Lang Veers. And for more information about most of these things... Uh, visit andyshoff.com. And uh, this record, The Party, is great. It's been nominated for the Players Music Prize. Congratulations on that. Thank you. And uh, good luck going forward with all of that stuff. And uh, is there a song from The Party, Andy, that we can play for people right now? Uh, anything that comes to mind? Uh, you should play the song called To You. To You. Okay. Why Why did that come to mind? Um. Well, because it's the one that I like the most on the album. This is your favorite song on the album. Is there any, again, I don't mean to harp on this. Is there any particular reason why? Mostly because it's the last one that I wrote for the album. And I think that it's just, I think it has the best arrangement. It was kind of like the most well-planned song that I made. Okay. And I also, yeah, the lyrics, I like the lyrics. Well, I like and I just love that voice. <laughs> it's kind of awkward, isn't it? I'm just getting you to sell your own song. Yeah. You, know, you did a great job. It is. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> this is To You by Andy Schaff. Andy, this was, uh, you know, despite my insults, uh, I Don Rickles you for some reason, but I apologize for my behavior. But this was genuinely fun and interesting, and I thank you for being on the show, and I wish you the best of luck with everything in your future. Yeah, thank you. Thanks thanks for having me. Sir, 
Shaw from his new album, The Party, which is out around the world via Anti Records and Arts and Crafts Records. And uh, Andy's uh, album, The Party, was just shortlisted for the 2016 Polaris Music Prize, which means it's one of 10 records that might walk away with that prize this year. And uh, congratulations to Andy. Thanks uh, for being on the show. Uh, very nice guy. Very down to earth soft-spoken guy in lots of ways. I don't know what was up with me. I had a bit of a tone. Sometimes I think I'm being playful and charming. Mm, it doesn't always... No? Sometimes not? I don't know. I just felt like I had it with him, and it was... Yeah. So I listened back, and I'm like, what What the hell were you thinking? Anyway, we had a good time. He seemed to... He liked it. We had a chat after, and we had. A, he said he doesn't really open up to anyone the way he talked to me. Some of his friends don't even know what's going on in there, and I can believe it. Anyway, <laughs> Andy Schaff is cool, and the record's great. Thank you, Andy, for being on the show. 
If this is your first time ever listening to this program, I have some information for you. If you listen to the show regularly, you know all this stuff already. If you want to learn more about Creative Control with Vishkana, go to vishkana.com. There you can learn how you can subscribe to the show on iTunes and download and stream the show. Uh, there are 271 episodes now, so there's a huge back catalog of, I think, pretty wonderful conversations with some amazing guests. Uh, the show also uh, lives at audioboom.com. Uh, you can go to patreon.com to make a flexible monthly donation to the program, uh, the podcast in particular, to keep the podcast going. Uh, you can like the page on Facebook. Please do find it, Creative Control with Vish Khanna on Facebook. And it's on Twitter, at Vish Creative. And you can listen to a version of this show every Wednesday at noon Eastern Standard Time via CFRU.ca or if you're in the immediate Guelph and region, you know, like Waterloo region in this area, CFRU 93.3 FM is how you can listen to it when you're in your car or in your bathroom, wherever you have your radio. Or on your phone. You can listen to it on your phone, wherever you are, via the cfru.ca anyway that is uh, that's another episode and there's more episodes to come and uh, that's all I have to say about that I think for now thank you for listening thanks again to Andy Schaff and uh, we'll talk to you soon goodbye for now planning for your next trip Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.